Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 56. On today's show, I'm pulling back the curtain on my life and sharing with you 10 ways I've simplified my family's life without sacrificing the fun, joy, and the stuff that makes life worth living. If you've ever wondered how you can live a more simple but vibrant life, even with a family, then stick around. You're going to love this episode. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the creator of littlegreenbow.com and the host of this podcast, The Wannabe Minimalist Show. If you're new to the show, welcome. This podcast started out as a journey to living a better life with less of the unnecessary. And you'll often hear me discussing topics of decluttering, organizing, and creating systems. But today, I want to talk about simple living. This idea of living life on purpose and with intention. It doesn't have to be minimalist to be simple, but a simple and intentional life is not one that's overstuffed either. Now, it's no secret that this last year has been a doozy. Almost everyone's world has been turned upside down. Some have definitely been more affected than others, and we're all dealing with COVID and the current fatigue in different ways. But I will just say that I was so happy my family and I had started on this path of simplicity prior to the chaos of 2020, and I am thrilled that I have been able to help so many others transition to an easier life at home over this past year as well. Honestly, I think the 10 things I'm going to talk about on today's show have been life-changing for us. We're coming out of the past few years stronger as a family and as individuals, and I truly believe that these 10 things will serve you and your family as well. But before we dive in, I want to remind you that you can find all of the show notes for today and links to anything I mention at littlegreenbow.com slash 56. Again, that's littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 56. There you will also find my latest free resource, the Tidy Home and Vibrant Life Starter Guide. It's a simple but super helpful guide that will show you four easy steps you can take to create a home and life where you and your family thrive. It's completely free and my way of helping you on your journey to creating more meaning in your life without suffocating under your stuff. And with that, let's look at 10 ways I've simplified life for my family. The first way we've simplified is to find happiness in less square footage. We live in a townhouse, and while it is by no means a tiny home, it's very efficient when it comes to its size. It has two bedrooms, each with a bathroom, a small great room where we have a sitting area by the fireplace, our dining table, and my office, a bonus area where we've put our living room, a decent kitchen, and a two-car garage. We don't have much outdoor space, but we live in San Diego, so we can get out and use the beach and parks as our backyard. On the flip side, we do have some friends that have very large homes with fully finished basements, extra guest rooms, and dual living rooms. 
Now, in my younger years, I will admit that I was a bit envious of the space and how much easier it seemed to keep your living room looking tidy when you had so much room available. But over the years, I have noticed the tendency for humans to hold on to things. And as a species, we have a pretty impressive ability to fill up any free open space that we have available. Now that means before you know it, closets are filled with clothes you no longer wear and kitchens are overflowing with gadgets and gizmos for cooking meals you no longer have time for because, you know, there's three soccer practices this week and a weekend-long tournament out of town that you have to go to. More square footage only means more space that can be filled up and more rooms to clean. It can often come with extra expense through mortgage costs and increased maintenance. Plus, by living in a smaller home, we as a family have to deal with our stuff regularly. We're not able to keep things just in case because there's nowhere to put it. This means that we're not overwhelmed by the amount of stuff lurking in dark corners and we love the things we own. I'm not saying that you need to downsize to live a simple life, but it doesn't hurt to look around at your current one and see it with fresh eyes. What could the space be like if it wasn't so full? So if you're like the many people who took up the hobby of looking at homes for sale during the past year, think about if you really need or even want a new place, or if you can find happiness in less square footage and use your savings to your advantage. The second way we've simplified is to automate wherever possible. Generally, when people talk about automation, they immediately think of things associated with your finances. Well, that's because these are just the easiest things to automate. So if you're new to automating things in your life, then of course, start with your monthly bills, but you can also automate your savings too. So we do this before our income even hits our bank accounts. My husband's company uses Gusto for their payroll, so we can easily manage where the money goes all by ourselves online. But if you don't have that option, check with your HR department to see if they can split your paycheck into one or two accounts automatically for you. Our income is divided into three different bank accounts. We have a general checking account for paying our bills, an automatic payment account for our rent, and a savings account for paying ourselves, you know, our savings for our short-term and long-term goals. From there, you can divide even further into different accounts with regular ACH transfers through your bank. That's pretty simple to set up. But I will note that I am not a financial planner and my goal is to keep things as simple as possible. So we just keep those real broad categories. So then for our expenses, we use a credit card to get travel points whenever possible, and we pay off that balance each month from our checking account. This includes any utilities that we can pay on credit cards, um, any of our just day-to-day expenses. We really try to put everything on this card because we get those travel points on the back end. If this is money we're already going to be spending, we might as well get something for it. Now, any bills that cannot be paid via the rewards credit card are paid directly from the checking account. Our rent is auto-paid each month from that dedicated account, which was set up because of a low ACH fee. And this makes sure that our rent is always paid on time. I cannot tell you how many times the second or the third of the month has rolled around and I've breathed a sigh of relief knowing that the payment for the month has already been taken care of. Now, I know I've only been talking about financial automation, but you can also automate things that you purchase on a regular basis and have them come automatically too. So we've done this with things like Quip for our toothbrushes, razors through Dollar Shave Club, and my husband's lactose-free protein powder. Now, these are things that show up on a regular basis when we need them. It is 
So nice to have a new toothbrush head every three months, like the dentist recommends, without having to keep it on my never-ending to-do list. You know, and it just makes me feel like I'm winning at adulting too. Like I'm doing something good for myself, I'm staying on top of things, and it really just gives you that sense of satisfaction and accomplishment. I know it's the little things, but those really do matter. Um, Another way I automate things is to have one set day for running errands. Now this helps me plan ahead and not be scrambling for things last minute. Plus, it feels like a lot less of a chore and just a regular part of my routine when it's a day that I know I have set up for running all my errands. So I will plan that out and I will try to get everything done in one day. It just makes it much easier. So that's another way you can automate, even if it's not full automation. What are the things you can do in your schedule that can be become a regular part and then it just doesn't feel as much of a hassle? Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. The third way we've simplified is to choose renting over owning. Now, I mentioned that we live in a townhouse, and I mentioned in the last step about paying the rent. So just to really put it out there, yes, we are renting our home. Now, renting our housing has been one of the ways that we've greatly simplified our lives over the years. If you're not familiar with my story, I'll catch you up briefly. My husband and I have lived in five different states and 10 different countries for at least one month or longer. Renting apartments or homes has given us the flexibility and freedom to travel extensively over the years, even with a child. 
We can easily switch homes and not have to worry about selling or renting one out to cover the expense of ownership. And oddly enough, we have actually spent less while traveling than while living in one city at different times in our lives. Now, even now, when we live in San Diego, we pay less to rent than we would for the exact same place if we purchased. And honestly, I know this because the townhouse across the walkway from us just sold. It is our exact same unit, and it would cost us an additional $1,000 to $1,200 per month more to own this exact same unit than it does to rent it. And we would also have to spend a very large sum on the down payment. Now then, of course, we would spend money to fix it up and we'd try to make it ours if we owned it, but that doesn't feel necessary when we rent. I haven't even mentioned having to pay for anything that breaks, which of course you don't have to do if you rent. People have always told us that we were wasting money by renting versus buying, but it doesn't feel that way to us. We are buying flexibility and freedom by renting. But we've also owned homes in the past, so I don't want to come across as somebody that has never done home ownership and trying to give this advice. I have been on both sides of the fence. So both of the times we owned a home, they were in a much cheaper market. We were in Iowa instead of California, but the burden of owning a home was pretty daunting. We spent every weekend working on the house, the yard. We were painting. We were fixing something. We were shopping for decor. You know, we were trying to make it a home we wanted to live in, and it was exhausting. Now, you will have to decide what works for you, and please know that I am not saying that you cannot or should not own a house. Hey, we might even own again at some point, but that point is just not right now. All I hope by making this point is that you stop and think for a minute before you sign on the million dotted lines that you have to to buy a home. You do not have to own a home to be a functioning adult, okay? But before I move on to point number four, I do want to take a second to say that this also works with things besides your housing. You can rent a nicer car if you're going to a special event and want to arrive in a fancy car, or just a car for the day if you need it, or a truck for moving or hauling something, or a boat for a weekend on a lake. You can rent woodworking equipment if you want to build something. You can rent a dress for a wedding, either attending a wedding or even as the bride. Bikes are now available by the half hour in large cities. The possibilities for things that you can rent instead of having to own them is almost endless. And the point is that you can save space and often money if you look for an option to rent something for a specific time period instead of purchasing it purchasing it to own it for the long haul. So just again, it's more of a mindset shift. It's more of thinking about something before you pull the trigger and actually go to buy it. Is it something that you can rent? Is it something you need for just one short specific period? And then make that decision. But don't just have the knee-jerk reaction to always buy something because you may not need to. The fourth way we've simplified is to watch less TV. Now, I am not going to ever be that person that gets rid of our TV. Of course, we would be better off reading and playing games instead of sitting in front of a screen, but sometimes we just need to veg out and cuddle on the couch, and I do not feel one bit bad about that. However, we have put our TV in a room that is not the focus of our home. It's in that bonus room that I discussed earlier, so we have to purposely go into that room to watch it or to play video games. 
The funny thing is that bonus room is actually the very first room you see when you enter our home. Now, a lot of people would use that space. If you have a larger home, we had one of these. That bonus front room was like where you put the fancy furniture so nobody ever hung out there. So we don't do that. This is our comfortable living space where we cuddle up and watch TV and movies and things like that. But it's not the first thing we see when we come downstairs in the morning. So our bedrooms are on the top floor. Then our kitchen and the small great room is kind of on the middle level. It's not really a true three-story, but kind of that middle half level. And then that bonus room is in the very front when you first enter. So... Yes, it's kind of the welcoming for when guests come over, but honestly, we don't have that many guests over. And if you're coming to my house, you're my friend and you're not going to judge me for my TV in that front room. So moving on. But before when our TV, we used to have it in our small great room. It was so much easier to just casually flip it on to the news or a morning program. My daughter was more apt to ask to watch TV because she could see it. So now the TV is out of sight and it is definitely more out of mind. So we instinctively fill our days after school with other stuff. We'll bake, we'll read, we'll play pretend, and then we make it a point at a specific time to, you know, intentionally watch it on purpose. It's really not a big change, but it definitely feels better to be the driver of your own life and to be purposeful about when we watch TV. And just having it not be the first thing we see every morning really makes that so much easier. The fifth way we've simplified is to keep a simple wardrobe. Now, I absolutely love having a capsule wardrobe. I have talked about this on the show. I talk about it in my course, Vibrant Home Academy. I probably talk about it in lots of different freebies I give away. I love having my capsule wardrobe. It makes it so much easier to get dressed, and I know that no matter what I choose to wear, I will feel great in it. This was something I really used to struggle with, and I would not call myself a fashionista, but I would say that I dress better now than I ever have at any point in my life, and I just feel better in what I wear. But what really helped was traveling and living out of a carry-on suitcase for six months. That is what helped me embrace this idea of having clothes that mixed and matched effortlessly. I discovered that I didn't need as many pieces if they were interchangeable, and I could create new outfits just by swapping a few pieces out. Now, the funny part was we did attempt to be travel bloggers. It was a total fail, but that's for another day. Anyway, it made me really conscientious about what I picked out to wear, so I tried to pick things that had a nice cohesive color palette for our entire family. I tried to pick things out that would look good in pictures for Instagram. So that's kind of that next level. It's not just packing for a weekend trip to your parents' house where you're going to be in your sweats and comfy clothes. Pack stuff that is still comfortable, that you can travel in, but that also looks great. So if you are struggling with living simply, I highly suggest starting with creating a capsule wardrobe. Challenge yourself to pack a suitcase and wear only the items that fit in it for a couple weeks to a month. It changed how I get ready every day and it has made me more confident. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually 
completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. My daughter has also created a self-imposed capsule wardrobe. She loves dresses, bike shorts, and tall socks. It has totally become her uniform. And since she really won't pick out many clothes that deviate very far from that formula, we've just gone ahead and embraced it. It makes it easier for her to get dressed every morning. So I figured why fight it? I'm letting her kind of embrace her own style. She gets to pick it out. And you know what? It's her jam. So that's just kind of the thing. You just, once you gravitate, find something that you gravitate toward, embrace it and go all in on it and just be comfortable with it. That will become your personal style. You will feel better wearing it every day and people will just get to know you for that. And trust me, it feels great. The sixth way we've simplified is to declutter. Oh, come now. You didn't think I was going to make it through this list without mentioning decluttering, did you? But it's only because living with less stuff has made our lives simpler. But it's not all about less stuff. It's really about less stuff that we do not use. We still have stuff, and I'll get to that more in a minute. But we're trying to go through everything we own and be diligent about letting go of the things that we're holding on to out of guilt or fear that we might need it or just because we have space to keep it right now. By only having things that we use, it makes it easier to keep our home organized, which makes living here feel better. We don't have to dig through our stuff to find what we need, and it feels amazing to not feel wasteful. The good news is that decluttering does not need to be this big scary thing. You can start today with as little as five minutes. Grab a bag or a box and go around whatever room you are in. Gather things to donate. It's amazing how easily we can look over the items that we see every day. I call this clutter blindness. But once you narrow your focus to one room or area, it gets so much easier to see through that haze and declutter items that are not adding to your quality of life. That's the key. Declutter things that you do not use and things that do not add to the quality of your life. The seventh way we've simplified is to clean less. Now, I should say that this one piggybacks off of decluttering, though, because there's no way I would be able to clean less if we had not decluttered first. 
By having less stuff, there is less mess, less dust, and less grime. I don't know the laws of nature that make this a reality, but it just is, and I am not complaining. We just wipe up after cooking in the kitchen and using the bathrooms, and they never seem to get super dirty. Of course, I still clean the shower and scrub the toilets, but they always feel ready for guests, even though I don't spend that much time thinking about them. Same for our floors. We're able to clean up our floors pretty much with just dry mopping and vacuuming. And since we never wear shoes in our house, I get away with spot cleaning our floors as necessary. Honestly, this is probably one of the easiest things we've ever done to keep our home clean. So if you still wear shoes in your house, try taking them off at your front door and see what a difference it will make. The eighth way we've simplified is to pause before saying yes to anything. Confession time. I am terrible at saying no, and it has gotten me into trouble more than once. The problem is that I want to be able to say yes to things like being a Girl Scout troop leader or a volunteer in my daughter's classroom. I also want to get together for girls' night, impromptu playdates, and helping a friend when they need something. But I am not superwoman, and I am not able to do it all, and still give myself the space to be my best self, the best wife I can be, and the best mom I can be. So now, instead of saying yes right away, I make sure to say that I will check with my schedule and get back every time. That gives me a pause that I need to take a breath and make sure that it's something that I really want to do. If it is, I can simply come back and say yes. And if the answer is no, I no longer feel so on the spot and I feel more comfortable being able to turn it down because then I can also say with confidence that it doesn't fit in my schedule because it's not going to make me be the better person that I want to be. The ninth way we've simplified is to reduce temptation. If you like to shop, this one will change your life. One of the easiest ways to cut down on items coming into your home and overcomplicating your life is to cut back on impulse buys. Now, I have found the best way to do that without feeling deprived is to cut back on temptation. That means unsubscribing from marketing emails from stores that you frequent, stopping catalogs from coming in the mail, and reducing the number of trips you make to the store. You can also shop from a list, but that is much harder than not going into the store in the first place. So if you generally swing by the grocery store a few times a week, try to only go once. And if you love to shop and spend your free time doing this by yourself or with friends, try to skip it and meet up for coffee instead. Or splurge and get a mani-pedi, get lost in a good fiction book, or schedule a massage. The idea is not to fight your willpower when you want to buy something cute that you see. It's to not see that cute thing in the first place. It will feel strange at first, but after that initial uncomfortable period wears off, it gets easier and you won't miss the things that you don't even know about. And the 10th way we've simplified is to spend our money on things that will make our lives better or easier. I said I would get back to the things we own earlier, and there are things that we still spend decent money on. These are items that we love, use regularly, or will make our lives better. Sure, I could do without some of the items in our home, but that's not how I want to live my life. I want to enjoy it, and having some things helps with that. I could also buy cheaper versions of some things, but as we've decluttered our home, it's been really nice to get better versions of the items that we love or that have a big quality difference. 
I mean, think bedding and coffee makers. So things that we spend money on include fitness and outdoor activities, like stand-up paddleboarding. We also splurge on the parking pass for the beach closest to us so that it makes it easier to go. Remember, we don't have a private backyard, so anything that makes it easier to say, yeah, let's just pack up and go to the beach, is a total win. We could park on the street, but it's an extra 10 minutes to walk each way, and that parking pass feels so worth it to us. I know, for those of you that live in a cold climate, you're like not happy with me right now, but it really does make a difference. I lived in Colorado, and it's kind of the same thing with going to the ski resorts. The first year, we were all excited about it, and we went a ton of times. And then every year after that, we seemed to go less and less because it just got almost to be more trouble than it was worth, even though it wasn't. When we were there, it was a blast. So it's the same thing here. Anything that makes it easier and will add to the quality of your life, totally worth it. I will also spend money on things that save us time, like an awesome vacuum cleaner. Honestly, I love my cordless vacuum. It makes it super simple to just run it around the home, and I don't have to like deal with a giant cord and get it out, and it's just... Anything that makes cleaning easier, because I hate to clean in the first place, total win in my book. I also love my weekly CSA, that's Community Supported Agriculture. It's a box of produce from a local farm. It comes every week, and I love getting it. It helps me get fresh fruits and veggies each week, which lets me cut down on my trips to the grocery store for things like dairy, grains, and protein, and snacks. So I buy those in more bulk every other week, so I'm not going to the store as often, which again cuts down on those impulse buys. The point is that I pay attention to what we spend our money on, and I try to use our dollars to add to the quality of our lives, not the quantity of the things that are in it. Whew. (laughs) That was a look at 10 ways I've simplified my family's life. To recap, they are 1. Find happiness in less square footage. 2. Automate wherever possible. 3. Choose renting over owning. 4. Watch less TV. 5. Keep a simple wardrobe. 6. Declutter. 7. Clean less. 8. Pause before saying yes to anything. Nine, reduce temptation. And 10, spend money on things that will make your life better or easier. I hope you liked today's episode. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, I invite you to come on over and share in the Wannabe Minimalist community on Facebook. The group is completely free and we're having fun getting to know other like-minded people. So come on over, introduce yourself, share your thoughts, let us know if there's something that we can help you with. I'd love to hear if today's episode inspired you to think about your home, your mindsets, or your stuff in a different light. What do you think of when it comes to simple living? Do you agree with my 10 ideas or do you do something differently? Come tell me about it in the Wannabe Minimalist group. I'm super excited to hear from you and offer encouragement on your journey toward less stuff, more happiness, and a vibrant life that you and your family deserve. And don't forget, if you would like to get your free copy of the Tidy Home and Vibrant Life Starter Guide, you can grab it in all of the show notes for today's episode at littlegreenbow.com slash 56. Again, you can get the show notes for today on my website at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 56. That just about wraps it up for today's episode, but before I go, I just want to take a minute to thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate that you choose to spend some of your time with me, and I hope the information I provide is helpful. 
If you have anything you would love for me to cover or discuss, please feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you. You can let me know how else I can serve you and the topics that you find most helpful. Feel free to tag me on your Instagram stories. I'm little.green.bow on the platform, or you can email me at deanna at littlegreenbow.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode and have not done so already, please be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Also, leave a review so more people can find us and discover the benefits of a minimalist lifestyle for themselves and their families. Cheers. I'll see you next week. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.